Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. In Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14, why don't you turn there if you have your Bibles? Hosea chapter 2, actually before that, before 14. God speaks about Israel being adulterous and leaving him. And he says, I'll punish her. She decked herself with rings and jewels and went after her lovers, but forgot about me, declares the Lord. And in verse 14, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I'll give her back her vineyards, and make the valley of Achah or trouble a door of hope. And she will respond as in the days of her youth. Verse 19, I will betroth her to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. Verse 23, I will plant her for myself in the land and I will show my love to the one that I called not my loved one. And I will say to those called not my people, now you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Praise God. So such a beautiful scripture, isn't it? So tender and amazing that God will allure us. He will entice us and love us, and draw us to himself. When we were going to Thailand, I'd like to read on the plane, keep, have the time go by. So I picked up a book that was about uh, abuse, actually. A survi- I like the survivor stories, you know. So this was a survivor of abuse. I started to read it, but it was a bit too full on for me. <laughs> I like to not go too crazy before I preach. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll read about that one later. And... Um, so I thought, I'll, I'll read a nice Christian book instead because I, I just, you know, don't want to, sometimes you just don't want to read some things. So I put that book aside because I just, it was just very full on. And I picked up another book. Actually, I downloaded another book on my Kindle. And it was a Christian book someone had recommended. So I thought, nice Christian book. And, and the Christian book turned out to be just about as heavy as the, as the abuse one. Uh, and it, it was, you know, it was about Judah and how he just backslidden and, his poor little daughter-in-law who kind of got shoved off and, and then she ended up um, f- pretending to be a prostitute in order to sleep with her father-in-law, which weird, right? Like only in the Bible would you read stories like that. So I was like, whoa. So I read that one. I thought, wow, that was really strong, God. I, I was kind of going to read a nice Christian book so it wouldn't be so strong. But anyway, I'm like, okay. And then... Um, I finished that one and then I thought, well, I'll read another nice Christian book and I'll get a really... I'll make sure it's a really nice story this time so I, I downloaded one called redeeming love I thought that sounds pretty good can't go wrong with that so I downloaded this book called redeeming love and this book was a modern take on the book of Hosea <laughs> which I didn't realize to start with and I went oh I'm going down the same track what's going on so once again I find myself reading a, a story a very gritty but beautiful story about a, a prostitute and the man who loved her and, and won her. 
even though she was a prostitute and even though she really didn't deserve to be one and how she left him and she, he won her back again. Heart-rending story and based on the book of Hosea, completely true story. So I was still kind of thinking, wow, all these books I'm reading seem to have the same theme. And then I thought, I'm just going to read the Bible because I still was kind of didn't quite know where we were going with this. So I was up to Galatians. So I read Galatians 5.19, which was right where I was up to at that time. And I opened it up and it said this, the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and all these kinds of things. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now after four times of reading about all these sort of lewd and difficult sins, I thought, all right, God, what are you saying to me? There must be a message in this. I love it when God does this. And I'm like, what is my message here? And so I'm going to begin to unfold what I feel that God has been speaking to me about those four times. And then again, another six times on the same topic, 10 times. Can you believe it? So starting with the first point that I feel that God was speaking to me, is just that first thing there where it says the works of the flesh are evident. The word there is manifest and clearly seen. It's clear. And I just felt like one of the things that God was saying to me by the sheer abundance of the times he spoke to me about all these sins, in particular sexual sin, was just that it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. It's evident. It's manifest. It's clear. And it's all over the place. And this is the world that we live in. This is a really messy world. And, and not only is it, is it everywhere, I mean, everywhere, you know, all the movies, it's, I do feel as if it's worse than when I was a kid. You can't, I can hardly watch a movie now. I can hardly watch a movie in a, with a clear conscience because I'm always watching things and saying, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to see this. It's, and it, it's almost as if the darkness is getting darker, but at the same time, I believe the light is getting lighter. The church is getting stronger and we are proclaiming a standard that's almost bizarre now while the world is just going darker and it's just so normal. Sin is so normal now that it's almost, we're the bizarre ones. It's, it's, it's bizarre when I tell people that my 19-year-old daughter's getting married. They're like, well, first of all, they always say, when I say I have a daughter getting married, they go, how old are you? Like, you have a daughter getting married? Which I, quite like but <laughs> but she is young you know and there's a reason for that and it's lovely and you know but but the bible's you know that it's just that's just the way of the world now we ought not to be so shocked about it because it's it's normal but also it's that that word there the works of the flesh are manifest or evident clearly seen and you know in our world today the, even the concept of sin has been gone. It's not sin. It sounds so old-fashioned, doesn't it? And yet, you know, we can pretend that it's not sin. We can all say everything's okay and that's normal and all right. But whether we ignore the sin or whether we pretend it's not, it still is in God's sight and it's clear and it's obvious. And, you know, at the end of the day, even, even if our conscience is seared and we just think, well, that's just normal, it is still sin because God gets to decide what sin is. That's his call, not our call. And there are consequences. 
there are terrible consequences. And so people can't understand why the world gets into such a mess. It's because everyone's doing the wrong thing and the consequences keep rolling in and rolling in. And so there will be consequences and we need to be aware. I guess the first thing just that sin is obvious. And so for us as Christians, we need to be very careful because we live in a world that's messy and it's easy to get messy. And I think we all of us need to make sure that we maintain a, a very pure standard and a holy standard. And we also need to all make sure that we're accountable because it's just, I, I'm, I really believe in community and I think it's so important that there's someone in this room that knows your deepest, darkest secrets. I really do. There's someone in this room who knows my deepest, darkest secrets and my weaknesses and I think it's great for you to have that place because, because we live in such a messy world, it's very easy to get messy too. And I don't want any of you to get messy because it hurts. It really hurts. I've, I clean up the mess sometimes. And I'm telling you, you know, people can look happy on the outside, but underneath there's so much pain when things go wrong. And so, you know, God wants us to stay in a place where we're pain-free. We don't have to get into this mess in the first place and do all these mistakes. He loves us. And so the, one of the ways to do that is just to share, you know, I'm having troubles with this or I'm having problems with this. Share it with someone. It helps. And people... And, and in, when we're in fellowship, the other thing that happens is that people can come sometimes see when we're missing it. Because the works of the flesh are evident. It's clear, but sometimes not to ourselves. <laughs> sometimes we start to miss it and everyone's thinking, what's wrong with her? And so it's evident to everybody else. There's something going on there. I don't know what it is, something's going on. They might they say, you okay? We need to allow ourselves to be in that position where other people can can help us if they see that we need it. Because sometimes... We don't see our own issues and we think we're okay. And the Bible says, you know, that the man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. So isolation is unhealthy. When you isolate yourself and pull away from people in your heart and don't share, it's an unhealthy place because you, you're, it's a hiding. It's kind of like the Bible says, don't do it. Open your heart and share. It's much healthier. So that was the first lesson that I felt that God was saying to me. And it might sound kind of serious, I guess, but I really feel it's important that from this place, the pulpits of Australia, there's still a proclamation that sin exists and it's real and it has consequences because this is the only place, as far as I'm aware, in Australia that has said that. Okay, from the pulpits around the world, and we proclaim, no, you know what, this is what the Bible says, that's a good thing because we, we're holding back the tide. We really are. If you've got a country that's not proclaiming sin, if you've got a country that just says do what you want, that country will quickly become like the Roman Empire and disappear. It, you, a, a country cannot survive under the weight of its own sin unless the Christians, we are the salt of the earth and our proclamation is preserving our nation. I absolutely believe it. Any nation that starts to stop, stops going to church and starts to throw away their moral compass will be a nation soon in decline. You can guarantee it. So I love this country, and, and so we must keep proclaiming the truth. So that's the first point. The second point is that the problem with sin is that nothing works against sin. So I was thinking about, you know, the, the two great things that the world does and one is legislation and the other is education that these you know we'll, we'll stop it we'll stop people doing the wrong thing we'll let them go this far but not that far and so 
you know, the, the world tries to legalise and, and legislate what we can and can't do, but the problem is it just doesn't work. And that's actually what we see in the Bible. Even God's laws. God, it was very clear that God had the laws to show people how to live, but it didn't work. They didn't live like that. And laws don't work. That's one of the things that we need to get into our hearts because we try to put laws on ourselves. We reintroduce the law to ourselves. Right. I don't know how many people I've met, <laughs> and it's lovely, but they say, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock every morning and pray for two hours. I, so many people have, I've met have said it, I've done it, everyone's done it, if you try. And it, it just never lasts because it's just the law. It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to eat carbohydrates again. <laughs> right. You're shy. Sure you're not. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never going to say anything unkind to my children again. I'm going to be a perfect mother. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we can't, we, we tell ourselves these laws, but do we keep them? No. Because you know why? The law is powerless to introduce righteousness. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says the law cannot produce righteousness. And so we can tell the kids at school, you must never bully another child ever. Never be mean, ever. Right? And then all the tears, I can't understand. Everybody's bullying. What's going on? It's like, it's called sin. It's called mean kids. Welcome to the world. And you stop them doing it one way and they, as kids or rotten kids, will find another way to do it. You can't stop them. I know the school teachers are smiling at me. You can't. Legislation doesn't work. Law doesn't work. And, you know, even, even if you get one part of the law right, like maybe you don't eat carbohydrates like the Hollywood movie stars, the problem is that then it'll lead to another problem called pride, and that's even worse than being skinny, much worse. So, you know, you, you really can't get it right. And, and in fact, Galatians 5.4 is really fascinating because that scripture talks about it, it says you have fallen from grace. You've all heard that story, you know, fallen from grace. And you just sort of think it means, you know, someone, you know, they slipped up and, I don't know, gone to the pub and got drunk and done terrible things or whatever. It, you know, that is not actually referring to that. In Galatians chapter 5, it's referring to people who stop living by grace and start living by the law. So the minute that you actually, and, and he says, and that, he says, is a sin. So the minute you start saying, this is the way I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I'm going to pray for now. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to type more, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be really nice to that person. I'm going to ring up this one, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm a good Christian. The minute you start to think like that, you have fallen from grace. That's what the Bible says. And, and he says, and that is a sin because you're now setting yourself up as the one who decides how to be a Christian, and you're setting yourself up as the one who, who can do it and be right in your own eyes. And, and that's fallen from grace. We can't live like that. We have to live by grace. We have to, we have to say, God, help me to do the right thing. I'll follow you. What do, what do you think I should do? And then you try to do it and you can't even do it. So you'll have to give me, not only tell me what to do, but give me the strength to do it because I can't seem to do it every day. That's grace. That's recognizing our weakness and living by grace. And that's the only way to live. We can't live by the law. Now, laws are not altogether bad. The Bible says the law is like a guide. It's like a tutor. You know, it's good to do this, this, and this. So we go, oh, okay. But it's only a tutor to show us how we, we, we can't. And so we think, I, I tried to do your laws, Lord, and I couldn't. And he says, I know. Here, let me help you. So once God helps us, then we actually can fulfill the law. Do you understand? So law's not inherently bad. It's just that it doesn't make us good. 
God makes us good. The laws just shows us what we ought to be doing and what we're not doing. So that's legislation. Legislation doesn't work. And then the other one is education, which is just telling us what the law says. And that's the big thing that the world tries to make us right. The world tries to stop sin by education. If we can just teach people how, what to do, then they'll do the right thing. Now, who's a parent here and who's tried that and got frustrated that education didn't work? Right. Every morning you're to get up and tidy your bedroom. We've got tidy time at 7.15 and then your bedroom should be tidy by then. And at 7.30, then you do your quiet time and then, and then you should have your homework all packed and ready by then and then off you go. There is education. I've just told you how to live your morning perfectly. Perfect morning. And what happens? Well, we don't always get there, do we? What? Why not? Because education doesn't work. Just because I tell someone to do the right thing doesn't make them do the right thing. Even my own children. They, it, they just go, yes, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, I've told you a million times that's what you're supposed to do. I know. Why don't you do it? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Educate, because education doesn't have the power to change us. And you're, you're the same. I've told you a million times you should pray and read the Bible. Did you pray and read the Bible this morning? Don't put your hand up. You know, no. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't work. Education doesn't work. Legislation doesn't work. I saw the, um, you know, the, oh, I won't go there. Anyway, <laughs> I'll tell you another thing that we try to make work, self-control. Now, what I need to do is just ramp up the self-control so that I'm better. And, you know, self-control is a good thing. Who knows self-control is a good thing? So I'm just going to be more self-controlled so I can just get a hold of all these things that I'm doing wrong. And guess what I discovered one time? You'll love this. Self-control doesn't exist. It's not even in the Bible. It's true. I did a study on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've always loved the fruit of the Spirit because it's, it's just fruit. It grows naturally. You're with God. And love will grow. You spend time praying and the joy and the peace, they all come. And self-control kind of confused me because it didn't sound so like growing from God because it had this word self. So I actually bothered to do a very, not that hard, study on the word. The word self-control that they've translated self-control comes from two words. Okay, One of them is E-N-N, which means in, in. The other word is dynamis, power, in power. I, I was, it was like this, it was like my, I just went, wow, that's got nothing to do with self-control. That's power that we get when we spend time in God. I don't, I don't have to sort of somehow stop myself from doing the wrong thing. I, when I'm in God, there's power within that I just need to access, just like I access his love or joy. It's a completely different way of looking at it. Can you see that? I was so excited when I discovered I didn't have to worry about self-control anymore. I just have to spend time with God and I have inner power. I can say no. I don't need to. No, no, no. How do you say that? It's not my self-control. It's I'm accessing the power of God, inner power that's in me. It's a fruit that grows. That's great. That's exciting. And I know that God spoke that to me because I remember it was some months ago I had that little revelation. And then Eleanor came home from Bible college. And she said, uh, guess what, Mum? Guess what I learned at Bible college today? I said, what? She goes, well, the guy was talking about the fruits of the Spirit and self-control. And do you know it's not even in the Bible? And I went, really? She says, yeah, yeah, he did a word study on it. And he taught us, da-da-da-da. And she just said the same thing. Don't you love it when God does that? And I went, well, I know. So self-control doesn't work because it doesn't exist. <laughs> well, it does. I mean, you know, some of us are disciplined and have a little bit of it. But not for everything. Not for everything. 
So there you go. We've got this, these issues with sin and with, with, with the world and we've got nothing works. And then we come to the, to the good bit, which is my last point. And I don't really know what to call this message, whether to call it amazing love or amazing grace or redeeming love. But, you know, that's why it was lovely to see that song being sung this morning. So I was pondering all of these issues and being in Thailand, uh, seeing some of these issues. So that was, I guess, uh, another thing that happened was, this is the sixth thing that I saw was, you know, I saw a, when you're in Thailand, sometimes you see things aren't so nice. And so you, I saw a, a man and then he was with a very young Thai boy and I'm like, you know, that doesn't look good. So, and it grieved me. I was just walking along feeling grieved and I felt like, again, this thing, God, this sin, it's just so, ugh. And so I, we walk, we're walking the streets of Thailand. There's millions and millions of people in Thailand. It's very crowded streets, you know. And, and I, I felt like God say, you know, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, what am I going to do about it? I thought, what can I do? So I just felt to pray for them. I felt to pray for that man and boy. I prayed for them both. Really just, I'm just walking along the street going, God, just praying for them to meet Christians and to just recognize their need for you and really cried out to God for them. And then I was, I kind of half shut my eyes when I walk sometimes, but not really, you know, when you're praying, it's a bit dangerous. So I was kind of praying and then looking down and just sort of, and then we'd been walking for about, it was sometime later, it was about 40 minutes later that, that I'd been praying. And then I opened my eyes and, and they were right in front of me, right there. I was like, there they are. That, that's just so weird because we walked for ages and they walked another way and bang. The minute I went, amen, I went, whoa, there they are. It was very God. And I didn't feel to say anything to them in particular, but I, it was like God was saying, you, you make a difference. Well, you make a difference when you pray. And so, so now I want to sort of see where the answer is. And that's just in this incredible love that God has for us. When I came home, having seen now... I think that's six different occasions where I felt like God had spoken to me about this issue. I, um, I, I, Eleanor, I, I said hi to Eleanor and she said, Hey, mum, when, uh, we when you were away, God told me to read a book in the Bible. I said, really? She says, yeah. And it was so funny because I didn't know what the book was. And he says, it starts with H and it's in the Old Testament. And she said, so I looked it up and guess what it was? And I'm like, I know what it was. She said, Hosea, because that, you know, Hosea was the story that, I'd read the book about, remember, Hosea. His name was even Michael Hosea. And I went, you're reading Hosea. And she goes, yeah. I went, okay, God, I'm getting there. I've got it. We're up to about number seven. Then I ran, Elizabeth rang me. We had a little chat on the phone. And she was talking to me about some spiritual things, as she does. And then she said something about her favorite scripture. I said, what is your favorite scripture? And she says, my favorite scripture that God speaks to me from is Hosea 2.14. I went, Really? I said, wow. And she goes, yep. I said, why don't you read it to me? So she read it to me. And that's the scripture that I read to you. So I'm like, okay, go right to number eight. <laughs> and then, um, and then yesterday, was it yesterday? The day before I went to, um, Erin Affair and I saw an old friend who came in and she just, you know, she's full of beans, say chit chat, chit chat. And we were chatting away about things. And she's a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful woman. She's really done a great thing with her marriage. And I said to her, I said, you know, you're, you're, you're like Hosea. And she goes, ah, oh, she said, I don't know actually if I brought it up first or she did, but she said, 
She said, you know, that's like my favorite novel. I go, what? She goes, it's called Redeeming Love. And it's a novel about, and I went, I know, I just read it. And I'm like, whoa, God, this is amazing. So many times. And so there is just God speaking to us that despite the darkness and the sin that goes on in our own life as much as anywhere else, this incredible love, this incredible love that's bigger, that is so much bigger than anything that we've ever done or anything that we've ever seen done by others and that reaches out to us and is there for us. And, you know, this friend of mine, she she's just like, her story is just like the story of Hosea because her husband was unfaithful to her and her daughter witnessed that. And it was just a terrible thing for her. And she... Um, she, she's a Christian girl and she was raging at God because she said, God, you told me to marry this man. You know, you told me to marry him. She was just so heartbroken by what had happened to her life. And, and, and he spoke to her and said, because I, I knew that you would love him again. I knew that you could win him back. And she's like, I don't want him back. You know, like, ah, like he can, he can go forever. And they did, they did split up for a while, but after a while, she just, she just cried out and said, God, I want my husband back. And she, he was so ashamed. He, he didn't want to be around. He was, he was sort of gone. But she reached out to him and she won him back, even though he should have won her back. She won him back and he's back with her now. He's very repentant. And, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, it's a risky thing that you're doing because this was not just a one-off event. And she says, I know. She said, but, but I don't trust in my husband. I trust in God and I just feel to love him. It's, it's such a, a beautiful thing to do. And there are people that do this. And, and, and this is what Hosea did. This is exactly what he did. God said, marry this woman who was a prostitute. And he loved her. Hosea loved her and brought her in. And, and then she went out and did it again. It's like, why would you do it again? I've, I've already rescued you. I've already loved you. But she kept going back. And the thing is that, you know, I guess with, with that situation, it's, it's so clearly grievous to us. The, the concept of, you know, loving someone who, who doesn't just have a one-off affair but goes off and, and sells herself, it's quite, quite a grievous kind of concept. And yet, you know, that what God is talking about there is all sin. He's not actually talking about prostitution. That every time we go into the world and put anything before him, anything, we're saying that that thing is the, is the love of our heart. If we, if we are, are too busy for him because we're, we're busy with our career or busy with, with you know, our, our life and looking after our kids or busy with our study or, or our stuff, whatever it may be, then, then that's a lover because God is the love of our life. Nothing should come before him. Nothing should come first. And if anything comes first before him, he makes it very clear that in his eyes it's adultery. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have put you first and I've died for you. Nothing can come first in your life except me and except loving me. And if anything does come first before God, we're crazy for a start because we'll never find anything that satisfies us. There's no love out there like the love of God. But it grieves him. It grieves him so much. I mean, doesn't it grieve you when someone's unfaithful to you or doesn't like you or, or you love them and they turn away from you? 
Imagine how it grieved him. And yet, despite that extraordinary grief that, and, that he must feel, he says this scripture, and I'm going to read it again, having won us in and, and loved us and shown us how good he is, we then go back out into the world and back out and maybe not everyone can see it. Maybe we've got a nice veneer, but we know what's going on in our heart, you know. God knows if our heart is putting him first or not. And, and yet despite that, and despite the fact that we're doing the wrong thing, he comes and gets us. <laughs> I mean, at least we could go to him and go, I'm sorry. But he says, he says this extraordinary thing. I am going to allure you. I'm going to entice you back. It's like, why would you want me? Why would you want this messy person? Not, but he has to actually entice. He has to draw you back because now you're messy and showing, oh, you don't want me, you don't want me, you don't want me. It's like, I do. No, you don't, no, you don't. You know how? And he's got to, he's got to woo you back and entice you back. And that's extraordinarily hard to do. And, just such love. And he says, and I will speak tenderly to you and comfort you or her or us, all of us. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will show you my love, even though I, I called you not my loved one, even though you, you left me. So who can understand this great love that God has lavished on us and continues to lavish on us? And let's respond with just a heart that is completely open to him and completely wanting him. Not just for ourselves. Let's do that ourselves. Let's remember that we, we just love him to bits and we're totally his. But let's also have that kind of grace for others. Never give up on yourself. Never think that you're, you've become too, you know, that you never, never think that you can't be passionate and, and, and full on for Jesus because you can. It's, it's never too late. You can start right now. And never give up on anybody else. No matter how long they've been out there in the world or how long they've had hardened their hearts to this love, the, the love of God is so powerful. Never give up on anybody. Keep loving them. Keep praying for them. Even if, you know, as I saw, you know, it can look kind of awful sometimes what we get up to. There's always hope. The love of God is extraordinary and amazing. And so we will just keep opening ourselves to that love and keep allowing that love to work through us for everyone because the world needs it. That's the only answer. That answer, the, the incredible grace of God that he died for us and he's alluring us and he's reaching out to a dark and sinful world. That love of God is the only answer for this world and we have that answer. We see it here and we want to take it out there so that the world is, people just amazed. Like, how can you love like this? How can you love? How can you love me? How can you love God like this? And, and, and I, I really believe that as, you know, as people see that love, that will, that will allure them in. It will allure them in. We're not going to, we can't frighten them in. We can't attract them in with all the whiz-bang stuff. That doesn't really work in the end doesn't work. All, all sorts of things don't work, but, but the love of God will never fail because the Bible says love never fails. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. 
You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.